Turn to three. Positive rotation. Welcome to Roll Call, a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast of the Illinois Air National Guard at Scott Air Force Base. I'm your host, Master Sergeant Brian Ellison. The Roll Call podcast focused on people, mission, and community. Our guest this week is Tech Sergeant Tyler Rush with the 126th Communications Flight. He talks about the changes coming to our computers, juggling multiple facets of the comm flight, and he shares about the time that he forgot his right from his left. That's coming up on uh, on the podcast here. Also coming up with around the Air Force, recruits have the chance to meet face-to-face with an MTI before shipping off to basic training. The Department of Psychological Health presents the influence of leadership, the keys to becoming a better leader, presented by Lynn Clapp Sunday, November 5th at 1300 in Building 5029. He's a psychologist and an educator with 35 years of experience in individual and group development and group development. You can RSVP Linda Shu by emailing her. That's lynda.shu, S-C-H-U-H dot one at us.af.mil. I'll put her email in the show's description. Some things are part of human nature. We just do them. These behaviors are our everyday way of living. Children learn them just by watching us. Because when you stop to think about what's really important, protecting each other is in our nature. The risk of dying by suicide increases four to six times when there is a loaded firearm in the home. This risk increases for everyone in your home. Always lock up firearms and medications. Make safety second nature so everyone in your home can thrive. Joined today by Tech Sergeant Tyler Rush from the 126th Communications Flight. Thanks for joining me today on a very cold Halloween. Yeah, definitely. My ears are still tingling from the walk over here. <laughs> I can't believe you walked, but you you walked here really fast. I, I guess that must be the cold. Uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, you keep your head down and close your eyes almost, and hope that you're not walking past anyone who might need a salute because it was it was wretched out there. So, was it uh, windy yet? Oh yeah, it, it is bitingly cold. I put I have a I have the super heavyweight fleece, and I'm like it can't be that bad, and I regret not wearing that. It is shockingly cold outside right now. Wow. Yes. So what's your role in uh, communications flight? Uh, right now, um, I am the primary BICO, which is the base equipment custodian officer. So uh, my most important role in the unit is making sure that people around the wing get new IT assets. Uh, right now, we're focusing on dealing laptops out. Um, next up will be desktops for like nipper and zipper purposes. Oh, okay. And then um, everything in between that. So um, I've been trying lately to 
um, really centralize a lot of this information so that people can be made aware of just what is available to them because uh, there's a lot out there that you can get, but you, if you don't know it, it's available, you don't know it's available. Right. So I'm trying to work to uh, really empower property custodians, and uh, that's a transition process because um, putting everything in Teams, encouraging people to use Teams, um, you know, I'm really excited about the Wing Commander um, emphasizing how important digital tools are because I've been a big proponent of it for a couple years now, and um, I'm hoping more people start adopting it because it's uh, got a big impact on my job. Uh, this is kind of an extra job on top of what your AFSC is, right? Yeah, so my, my actual AFSC deals with um, infrastructure when it comes to the internet. So um, anytime you're dealing with how do I connect my device to Wi-Fi or a physical connection, that cabling and the routing and switching behind it, that's what I actually would deal with in my explicit AFSC. Um, the specific job I have right now requires either that AFSC or uh, the COM focal point AFSC. But uh, with the way um, ComFlight has been, um, sorry, not ComFlight, communications jobs as a whole um, have had a top-down revision called the Q-Shred. And so the way the Air Force considers it now is um, anyone in a communications squadron or flight can do any job. So uh, it's quite the, uh, the thing for us to kind of get used to. So that's, uh, that's, that goes to that multi-capable airman. Yep, that is, we are the pioneers of that. It's called the Q-Shred, and we have this little flow chart, and basically almost every single job in COM is part of Q, and there's a couple that are part of K and P, and the idea is that you might be doing uh, COM focal point work, and then because of manpower, you have to do something else, and they expect you to figure it out and get running. So COM focal point is kind of the help desk. That's exactly right. Yep, it's the help desk, so... So how long is your uh, AFSC? The tech school. Your, the tech school, yeah. Um, so it's actually pretty cool now. It's self-paced. It's as long as you want it to be. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I was one of the first people to go through the self-paced program in 2019. I had to wait a couple years to go to tech school because, you know, non-priors, um, or sorry, prior service people got a little bit of a longer wait. Um, and when I got out there, they said um, each module has a maximum duration, but if you feel confident, you can just take the test and move on. So I think at max, the tech school is supposed to be a little over three months, but I've heard um, some people can get done in weeks if they know what they're doing, so. Where's the tech school at? Um, Keesler, down in uh, Mississippi. Oh, okay, so yep. you, you right go to Keesler, mm -hmm. you go to Keesler and they say, here it is. Yep. I guess it's, I mean, that's kind of... Uh, yep, I got there in day one, and they said, don't hang out with any of the new airmen, keep to yourself, and you'll be just fine. And <laughs> that's, that's basically what it was. I was in the hotel, and then I, uh, I, 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 um, I was really interested in learning comm. I used to be in civil engineering, so I actually uh, did some uh, private education to get myself really up to speed with what I was going to be doing. And so that background uh, hugely helped me at tech school. So I, I finished tech school faster than you would normally because I knew a lot of the material before I got there. So you were in CE before this? Yes, sir. Yeah. What did you do before that? What did you do in CE? Um, I did like the only computer job in CE, actually. Um, I was an engineering assistant oh, in sure. EA. Yep. So I worked with um, drafting software and mapping software. So I helped work... I didn't do anything as technical as a literal like um, blueprint, but when it came to uh, mocking up drawings, uh, basic designs, and doing survey work, 
uh, that's what I did. So most people instantly can think of like that person, the side of a highway on the tripod or holding the little pole and right. doing some work. I did that and I took that information I'd collect and then load it into uh, mapping and drafting software and um, actually produce um, uh, designs that we'd like pour for concrete work or basic structures. Wow. So you kind of just kind of transition from one computer job to another computer job. Yep. I had the only computer job in CE and uh, I had just finished a very hot deployment and um, I called Sergeant Cruz over in CE and said, hey, uh, I would love to go to COM. What do you think about that? Sergeant Cruz. Sergeant Cruz. Yep. Not I, not Chris, not Major Cruz. Nope, nope, not Major Cruz. It was his brother. So, oh, okay. Yep, yep. So George Cruz, uh, he's a senior now. He was a master back then. And I'm oh, like, I didn't know they were related. Yeah, they're brothers. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So I said, could you talk to your brother and put a good word in? And he like sighed. I'll never forget the, the, the disappointment in his voice. He's like, yeah. So um, <laughs> he put a good word in for me. And um, Chief Berger um, at the time. Uh, was also former CE, and he said uh, he he liked that about me, that um, I was someone who'd worked with their hands and wanted to do calm, and he said that's exactly what I used to do. So uh, we vibed and meshed really well, and he said, come on over. And I'm like, yep, sounds good to me. How does the how does what you do contribute to the WING's mission? Uh, the mission could not happen without computers, period. Like, if you want to just distill it down to its essence, getting planes up in the air, the generation of those aircraft cannot happen without software that has to operate in computers, and a story. So um, that, that entire aspect of my job is putting hardware into the hands of customers around the wing is uh, one of the most critical things. I'm sure they could find a way to hand jam it, <laughs> do some physical paperwork, but um, all of the software and the processing that comes with it um, we empower that. We make sure it can happen. So there's obviously way more people around the wing than the ones who directly work on the aircraft generation, and I support all of them as well. But I know at its essence, yeah, generation of aircraft can't happen without computers, and I make sure people have computers. Oh, what, what's your major project that you're working on right now? All right now, um, we are life cycling Nipper laptops. So uh, basically, every single fiscal year, um, NGB reaches out to people like me around the, the, the sorry around the country, and they say, "How many computers do you think you'll need this year?" And we give them an estimate based on um, projections, and then they ship out computers in bulk, usually at the end. So uh, right now, I'm working on pushing out all of the remaining Nipper laptops that we have because we have a enormous shipment coming in, um, hopefully December, maybe early January. Um, we are gonna be replacing something around two thirds of the entire wing's computers next year because they have to be compliant with um, a really big uh, update. Windows 11 is gonna become mandatory at the end of 2024. And if the computer is too old, won't work. So anyone that doesn't meet that cutoff, we have to get rid of it. So. Oh, please come take my, I, I'll give you the computers right now. <laughs> um, so uh, your property custodian, uh, Sergeant Lawrence Small is actually next up. She Sweet. will be getting laptops uh, hopefully this week actually. Oh, very nice. Yep. So Lovely you, to hear. you need to just, mark, we'll go upstairs after we're done talking and say, hey, I, Sergeant Rush personally told me you're getting new computers in and she doesn't know that yet actually. So it'll probably be a surprise to her, but yeah, we're giving, um, there's plenty to go around. It just, uh, it's not possible to give one account a ton due to how many we can make at once. Right. So I try to do it in like a wave 
and most of the wing has received their first batch, and the second batch will be coming after that. You know, not not only are you the Beco, the uh, equipment custodian, but you you do uh, UDM, UTM. You're the facility manager, and a, a big thing is you're the. Uh, you're the I run the morale fund. Yeah, you the snack run bar. the snack yeah. bar at fifty ten, which is great because you guys have Red Bull. Yep, I uh, I. Every time someone comes full time out to the the building, I always ask them what's something you want to see in the snack bar, and so a lot of what our building has um, are actual requests from people. And then I, I'm pretty meticulous, so if something doesn't sell, I don't buy it. So I <laughs> tend to buy things that sell, but yeah, our building gets a lot of use. Uh, the MPF, we have lots of people coming through, so the snack bar is constantly being tapped, and you know I bring a tiny bit of joy to people when they get like a monster or a Gatorade <laughs> or even a, a snack. So yeah. Well, how do you juggle all that? UTM, UDM, the facility manager. How, how do you uh, how do, how do you juggle that? I think um, a lot of people want to know. I uh, I'm very fortunate to work with um, some very competent people. Um, Tech Sergeant Hudson and Master Sergeant Pruitt um, have been co-UTM and co-UDM, so it is not all me. Sergeant Pruitt is excellent at keeping notes and attending meetings with me, as is Sergeant Hudson. Um, so I've actually taken a much more active role as UDM um, because I'm part of the next mobilization. I'm going out the door next year. So obviously getting all the T's crossed and I's dotted is really important when you're one of the people directly affected by it. So um, I've learned a lot about the process as being a UDM in the last four to five months. And um, I'm uh, really trying to make sure that um, we're using stuff like Teams so that all of our requirements are in a central place for people. Um, as far as how to juggle it, um, you know, sometimes the nature of the beast is that the things that are most important get the most attention and some things might languish. But generally, um, it's, it's getting easier to kind of leverage a lot of these um, collaboration tools. So I can't stress enough to anyone listening, um, if you haven't started using Microsoft Teams and the Microsoft suite of products in Teams, like Excel and Word, it is so, so useful for saving time. So it becomes easier to juggle things when they don't demand as much attention because it's uh, helpful and people can look at the same stuff as you and work on it. Yeah, I'm getting more familiar with uh, Teams and we're using it a lot more. Mm -hmm. My problem is we have too many channels. <laughs> we don't know where everything's at. Yeah, so that's, that's, that's the tough part is, as with anything, um, it's kind of like in the episode of The Office where Michael Scott sends every single email as super ultra important because if he doesn't tag them like that, people won't open them. Uh, there, it's always possible to have too much information, so you do have to kind of have a, you know, a, a good idea of what is or is not that important. But, um, you know, once you have a good, I guess, process for establishing this is what people need to know, what they need to have access to, you know, that, that can kind of help uh, streamline the process. There's going to be some growing pains for most people because um, I think I've, I've heard personally from senior people around the wing that to them Teams is just kind of like instant messaging. You know, a lot of the more powerful tools, they're like, oh, I don't need that. I have email. So <laughs> it, it's going to be a, a learning process for a lot, a lot of people. It is helpful. That instant messenger part is helpful if you just need to reach out to somebody fast. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's, that's a tough call, though, because you can see if people have seen your message. And so <laughs> it's, I, think, I think for a lot of people, the expectation might be that they need to uh, get an immediate response. Mm. So it's always like a tricky political thing. It's like, do I pressure them? Do I, do I follow up? How long can I wait knowing they've seen my message? So that's always a little interesting thing. That is a, that is a good point.
Because I'm that way with text. Come on, man. I texted you. Why aren't you answering me back? Yeah, it gets, uh, it, it's, um, I guess, uh, you know, patience is a virtue, even when someone's only, you know, one, one message away. So, <laughs> I mean, you, you've, so you're, you're UDM, UTM, facility manager uh, and whatnot. How do you stay? And then you got your cyber field where you're kind of a multi-capable airman. How do you stay up on everything in the cyber, in the communication cyber field? Um, so I think this is where the guard is so uniquely positioned. Um, when I work with people who private sector um, bring a wealth of experience to drill and can talk about what their fields are going through, what they're seeing, what their jobs, you know, um, I have people that work at Microsoft, people that work at Google, um, you know, cybersecurity firms. When they tell you what is actually happening at the cutting edge of their fields, you know, you get the idea of what will be happening to the guard in a few years. Obviously, we're not quite as fast as them, but we get kind of a glimpse into what's coming down. And that, I think, is, is so huge. Um, it's the, the passion. You know, there's a lot out there, and it takes um, a very keen mind to filter it and then a very uh, keen mind to be able to articulate it. So when you, when you ask how do you stay ahead of it, you know, I'm grateful that I work with people who are so knowledgeable and they can break down um, very technical, very complex topics into uh, presentations that are simple and easy to understand. Um, one thing ComFlight does every drill is we usually make time to have about a 30-minute presentation on Sundays where we assemble everybody and we'll have a, a SME in their field uh, kind of talk about what they work um, and do on a daily basis in their civilian life just so everyone else can kind of um, catch up and really get a glimpse into how things can be done elsewhere. And so, uh, especially when you're dealing with stuff like ChatGPT and all these other machine learning tools, um, there's so much out there. Um, sometimes the only way to stay on top of it is just recognizing like you can't stay on top of it and you just have to be uh, open-minded, which kind of ties back into the whole multi-capable airman thing is that um, you might not be able to know everything, but sometimes it's most important to just know your one specific thing as well as possible. So it's a, I guess it's a, like a little bit of both. What do you see in coming down the pipeline that, uh, what do you, I mean, I guess AI is probably the big thing, right? Yeah, um, I believe there is probably a race right now for uh, an enterprise solution to help desk. I think you're gonna see something like an assistant on your desktop where you can just type your issue in and it will feed you a response based on millions, billions of queries worth of data and assist you immediately. So if you're having some kind of basic tech support need, you can ask the assistant like, hey, I can't get this to work or hey, how, can you help me with this? And the computer can, I wouldn't say necessarily fix it, you know, but it could give you a step-by-step -step breakout of what to do. So um, for those who might not be aware, uh, ChatGPT is a machine learning tool that it's called an LLM, a large language model, and it bases its responses on lots and lots and lots of data. And so LLMs are being leveraged to provide insights because humans aren't really good at breaking down lots and lots of data. Um, and sometimes tools can help us find um, relationships and probabilities that you'd otherwise miss. So when you're dealing with an issue that people might be having in a small scale, um, having a tool like this on the desktop of you know everyone in the government, for instance, right. might be able to say, oh yeah, exactly three other people are having this issue somewhere else in the country and I can help you with it. 
And that's something that would never be possible before, but you're potentially looking at now. Um, I mean, I could, I could just talk your ear off about what that stuff represents and its potential, but I think that's, that's probably the goal. Something like uh, you have your phone, you can say, okay, Google, or hey, Alexa. Right. It'll be on your desktop. It'll be like a chat bot, basically, and you'll be able to ask it questions, and it can help you. Because really, we've been using AI with Hey Siri and, or Siri and yeah, Google and stuff that, like that the, before. Those, those are exactly the, right. Those are large language models, and they listen to you. They can feed your it's both more simple and more complex, but um, their ease of use is what's important. The fact that anyone, even a child, can can use that kind of tool, that I think is what's going to be such a driving force for machine learning and AI, is it's easy. It can help people, no matter what your domain is. Um, for programming, something that was previously really inaccessible and extremely complicated, uh, ChatGPT can help you write lines of code. And You're kidding. No, no, no. It's incredible. If you never checked it out, uh, you've got to take a peek sometime and say, hey, can you show me how to write Hello World? Or, hey, can you make a, a program that has this color window and it's this size with these buttons? Your request can be very, very basic or very, very, very intricate. And usually, um, ChatGPT can pull through and give you a solution. And, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, uh, people are using it to make art. They're using it to do all kinds of things. So um, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, as with teams, the more people see these tools in action and realize the potential they have, the more people want to use them, and that only drives even more demand. So. And to go back to the focal point, that probably saves you guys some times when I say I can't print. <laughs> yep, yep. So, right, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. My printer's right. not working. What yep, do I do? It's... Um, you know, you asked me, how do I stay on top of um, a, a, a burgeoning cyber field? I mean, a lot of people don't have time in their own job to learn, you know, comm jobs, right? It's right. not your job to, I mean, even if we laugh and say something really simple, like I can't print, not everything is so simple. Some of this stuff is complicated. So being able to put information into your hands that can help you troubleshoot could be a huge time saver. But I'm just worried inevitably someone will be like, speak to a person. Speak to a person. <laughs> you know, they won't want to talk to the chat bot. They want the real person on the phone. Yes. But, I, you know, I, I have to uh, admit, I, I use ChatGPT to uh, come up with questions for the podcast. Yes. I don't always use them, but it just gives me a good yeah, a uh, starting point. A starting yeah, point. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what it should be. Yeah. It's not going to replace innate human creativity. It helps, though. It's a tool like anything else. Yeah, it's just a quick, it's a kind of a fire starter for me. It just kind of, uh, kind of get the juices flowing and go, okay, now, okay. That's just awesome. Yeah, that, that, so features like, so um, Microsoft's version of ChatGPT, um, it's called Copilot. And they actually have Copilot integration into Outlook, and it's coming to Teams soon. So uh, if you are comfortable using ChatGPT, um, I haven't seen the full scope of what Outlook offers, but... Um, that same kind of tool set is going to be available to anyone all the time. So even if you're not familiar enough with, um, it's called prompt engineering, like asking ChatGPT questions, they're making this very accessible. So what inspired you to join the Air National Guard in the, uh, the 126th? Um, I had a friend uh, who was um, a mechanic in, uh, over in maintenance back in 2009 it was, very long time ago. And uh, the guard was pretty awesome. He had a kicker, um, a nice uh, sign-on bonus. Um, he liked his work, he didn't think it was that demanding. And I was kind of, 
I wouldn't say aimless, but aimless probably is the best way of describing it. I um, didn't. I, I knew what I kind of wanted to do in life, but then I also didn't, and my parents weren't too involved in pushing me any one way. So it was kind of every single day I'm just doing what I wanted, and that's not always the best thing. So um, it seemed like a challenge, and it seemed like the benefits were definitely there and tangible, and I thought I could use that in my life. So my friend's like, yeah, let's sign up. And this was back when... Um, uh, there was a, a sign-on bonus if you referred someone. Oh, so nice. So he got a bonus for referring me, and I turned into a quite different person because of it. So, uh, How long have you been in? Um, I enlisted November 11th, 2009. So I think this Veterans is... Veterans Day, nice. Yeah, this is... Um, 14 years? Yeah, yeah, 14, yeah. 14, 14 right. I'm on the last six for the Guard 20. Yep. yep. All right. And what made you uh, want to go full-time? Um... So I was working at uh, Lambert Airport doing CAD work for them in their area. And I didn't like commuting all the way over to St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And they told me if I worked for the city government for more than a year, I had to live in the city limits. And I was so surprised by that. And I'm like, I'm doing this work here. And um, I went on a deployment and that was very conveniently timed because uh, I could resign from the airport. And I'm like, I don't think I wanna go back and do that work anymore. So I spoke with Sergeant Cruz, asked about going to comm, and uh, Chief Berger from out the gate was trying to get me out there. He's like, we'll put you on orders, we'll give you days, we'll start training you. He, he, he saw something in me and um, he really thought I'd be a, a valuable asset to the flight. So he was the one who really pushed to get me working full time. And I did a temp tech for almost a year. And then the plans job was available. And that's what I began doing after I finished tech school. So Chief Berger, I got to credit him a lot with that. What are some of your uh, favorite memories uh, so far in, in your career? Um, I f <clears throat> so I've told the story to a couple people. Um, I. Uh, I forgot what hand to salute with once. <laughs> it's funny now. It was not funny at the time. Um, oh, it was boy. a it was a cold winter day, and um, it was snowing really hard. And I was like months out of tech school, so this is back in 2010. And I was walking over here, actually, the headquarters, and I could barely see because it was actually snowing. And an uh, individual in a flight suit and jacket came out of headquarters, and I couldn't quite tell if they were an officer. And they were uh, walking towards me, I'm walking towards them, and I'm like looking, and I can't see if their hat has the rank on it, and I can't see if their jacket says anything. And then I'm realizing if they are an officer, I have to salute them, and like seconds are ticking down, and it's getting down to the moment. I'm like, oh man, they are an officer, I could see it. And I malfunctioned right then and there and forgot what hand to salute with. And I will never forget how terribly awkward it was when the person yelled at me to stop and demanded to know what was wrong with me. Oh, They're like, no. they don't teach airmen to salute officers these days. And then he goes, let alone your vice wing commander. Oh, no. And he just starts yelling at me, and I feel so stupid. And um, I'm looking at my hands, and I'm like, when he's done yelling at me, he's going to expect a salute. And I still can't remember what hand to salute with. And he said, who's your boss? And uh, I was terrified, and I named the chief of CE. Uh -huh. I didn't even name my boss. I named the, his, it was Chief Hackworth at the uh -huh. time. And he goes, Chief Hackworth, I'm a friend of his. 
I'll be talking to him about this real soon. Oh no. And uh, then he looked at me and I'm thinking, I'm getting flushed just thinking about how terrible this was. He looks at me and he's like, and I'm thinking he wants me to salute and I could not remember. And he just sighed and walked away and I didn't have to salute him and I was terrified. And I went to my boss immediately. I forgot Hannah to salute with and I got in a lot of trouble for that one. Oh, yeah, I, I forgot Hannah to salute with when I was a young airman uh, <laughs> 13 years ago. Wow, that is a memory. Yeah, um, that's my favorite like single memory. Um, I have to say that uh, I've had two um, particularly outstanding TDYs. Uh, with CE, I got to go to Israel for uh, oh, wow. a month. Um, we were doing work with uh, the IDF and the Navy. Um, so the Israeli Defense Force every summer would use these tents for training and they would tear them up and tear them down and it cost them like millions of dollars. And so the Navy was out there constructing permanent shelter for them to use and our unit, our CE unit, was uh, tasked with assisting. And so we got out there, did a couple weeks of work and they said, who wants to stay longer? And I'm like, I'll do this, this is great. So I got to uh, tour Israel, go to Jerusalem, um, see a lot of sites, uh, excellent food. Um, that was a really remarkable experience. Um, and with Calm, I got to go to Japan, and I still think about that TDY. It was great. Um, then Major Lubeck was in charge of that one. She was super gung-ho, and we went to Alaska, and I wish I could stay there because that was beautiful. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm so grateful for how much of the world I've gotten to see uh, with our unit. And um, I tell a lot of people about where I've been, and that would not have been possible if I had not been here, so. Did you go to college? Yes, um, I went to SIUE, and I wanted to be a English teacher. Okay. And I was literally uh, a semester from graduating, and I had the biggest uh, cold feet ever, because I realized I did not want to get yelled at by both kids and their parents. <laughs> and so um, I ended up, uh, shelving that completely when I pivoted and joined the guard and I got a associates at the time in construction engineering and then once I went to com I went to SWIC and they have a remarkable um, IT program that not only gets you a bunch of certifications um, you get a bachelor's in cybersecurity when you're done that's what's impressive if you, you when you go into the uh, when you go into com you guys all your degrees that are up there. Yeah, um, impressive is, so that's funny you remember that. Chief Berger, how you put those up there. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, he literally said, you're a CE guy, I'm sure you can use a hammer and nails. And he actually gave me a hammer and nails and I had to get some string and line them all up and I put them up there. So that was what I did, yeah. Um, certifications uh, vary wildly in how difficult they are. But um, that's the really cool thing about um, IT work is that once you find something you like, uh, you specialize in it. And then you get some paperwork saying, I'm very specialized in it. And so a lot of other jobs, you know, um, they care mostly about what did you get in college? Did you get your degree from there? But with the IT field, it's really like, what have you done since college? Are you, you know, I think earlier in the interview, you said, how do we stay on top of it? Um, certifications and continuing education is so key to uh, remaining relevant. So, what's one thing you want people to know about Comflight? 
most of the time, it's not our fault. <laughs> we, uh, we, we deal with so many different organizations that are responsible for maintaining the network and maintaining software on computers that uh, we are just at the mercy of them as people feel at the mercy of us. So um, right now, a really big thing is people have been talking about uh, computers are feeling kind of slow. There is antivirus software on your computer, which has no mercy for you. And it will, if, if, you, if your computer is available, it will absolutely take every last bit of power it's got. And so even my computer runs slow and I have one of the brand new ones. So I want anyone listening to know it's probably not our fault, but if it is, I'm sorry, so. <laughs> All right, uh, thank you for joining us. Anything else you wanna add um, that I missed out on? I did not even know there was a podcast. So um, Sergeant Pruitt, actually, before I left, said he, he loves listening to this, and I was shocked. I'm like, I didn't even know The Wing had a podcast. So um, this is a great little setup, and uh, it was really fun doing this, and um, I guess I'm going to have to do my part and uh, put the word out now because, one, I want people to listen, and two, um, I probably learn a lot from hearing other people's interviews. So, yeah, thanks for inviting me out here. Thank you. That is Tech Sergeant Tyler Rush from the 126th Communications Flight. More than 400 airmen from Travis Air Force Base, California, were the first from the installation to experience deployment through the new Air Force Force Generation Model, or AFRIGEN. The newly implemented AFRIGEN model aims to reconstitute manpower, aircraft, and equipment into force elements that train, deploy, and recover as cohesive teams throughout each phase of the 24-month cycle. Lieutenant Colonel Dominic Niziol, 21st Airlift Squadron and Deployment Commander, says the new model will be better for the force and that being an expeditionary power is an important tenet of air power. Kadena Air Base Japan recently welcomed the first MQ-9 Reaper deployed from the 319th Expeditionary Reconnaissance Squadron at Creech Air Force Base, Nevada. The inaugural arrival is the start of a series of MQ-9 deployments to Kadena aimed at reinforcing regional intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance capabilities. During the deployments, the remotely piloted aircraft will provide critical, time-sensitive information to both U.S. and Japanese defense leaders. Lieutenant Colonel Jordan Smith, 319th ERS commander, says the MQ-9s will expand the ability to build a more detailed, real-time operating picture to help protect a rules-based international order, enabling a prosperous Indo-Pacific. A new program called Ask an MTI connects new recruits with military training instructors in real time before leaving for basic military training to help in the transition from civilian to airman. The virtual calls include a 30-minute session between MTIs and recruiters and a one-hour discussion with recruits to answer questions and address concerns. Technical Sergeant Sarah Bento, MTI and 737th Training Group Chief of Protocol, says the program is helping applicants feel more at ease and prepared while also improving communication between the recruiters and MTIs. That's your look around the Air Force. I'm Technical Sergeant Britt Crowley. There are multiple ways to get free counseling. You can go to Military One Source, Military and Family Life Counselors on base and at the Vet Center. I'll put their phone numbers and their contact information in the episode's description. Also, Department of Psychological Health can give you referrals in the community for counseling. You can find all of our links on Linktree. That's linktr.ee forward slash 126ARW. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget you can also download this on your favorite podcast app. 
If you have some information you want to pass along about what's maybe going on in your squadron, your flight, whatever, that you want the rest of the wing to know about, email rollcall at 126rollcall at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to Roll Call, a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast focused on people, mission, and community. I'm Master Sergeant Brian Ellison. Under stable.